everybody, welcome to Amateur Cast, where we act like we know what we're talking about. My name is Sebastian Limon, I make YouTube videos, and I am also a convicted felon. And I have two of close <laughs> friends of mine with me. I have Colby Leapies. Hi, everybody. And I have Alex Papke. Hello, everybody. And you guys, we made our first episode. And I'm proud. Woo! I'm so proud. We did it. It wasn't perfect, but you know what? We did it. We said, screw it with this virus, and we made it. <laughs> we made it happen. That's all that we matters. We tried. Yeah. We, we put love and effort into it. We put <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears into it. All the liquids. Yeah. All the liquids. All, various body <laughs> all fluids. All the bodily fluids we put into this. Anyway. Ew. Yes. No, but I'm proud that we did it. To all the three people that listened, my mom, Colby's mom, and Alex's mom. <laughs> Let's hope Thanks, more moms, moms listen in the future. Love you, mom. Thanks, Shout mom. out to you. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for those who actually listened to the first one. I pray we're able to gain more people in the future. And I'm looking forward to the discussion we have today. Uh, but before, how you guys doing? You guys good? I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quarantine sucks, but we're making yeah, the most all... of it. Yeah. That's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> okay. How have you been, Seb? I've been good, thank you. Just trying to um What have you been doing? Um, well I've homework <laughs> and um <laughs> trying to write, do my own thing. Trying to make another short that it's different from the other two somehow. I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. Besides that, yeah, d- doing good. Ooh. Nice. Alex, are you working on any film projects or oh, writing or anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, s- I'm supposed to be working on a film project for my class, but um, no. <laughs> it's not really working out. Oh, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. <laughs> do, do, I, do I cut that part out or? Uh... <laughs> no, Fine. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing, Colby? Um, I am not working on any short film projects, but I am working on a screenplay that I have been working on for so many months. It's been mm-hmm. almost a year now. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm finally starting the second draft, which I told myself I'm going to finish this week, yeah. and I have not done that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> not even close but um i am pretty proud of it it's coming along good and i'll i'll if you guys want to read it i'll send it to you too oh yeah uh, for sure. it's done. yes i'd love to there is this great quote from midnight in paris though that's like do not let other writers read your work because if they love it they'll hate it and if they hate it they'll hate it you know what i mean like they're gonna hate it other way uh <laughs> i mean i'm kidding like totally i'm gonna I'm so I'm no longer sending it to Sebastian, <laughs> but saying, Alex, if you want, like, <laughs> I will. Receive I'm just it. kidding. No, I'm that's saying, a good line. Though. I'm gonna hate it. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying Sebastian, it already said. Sebastian's so gonna, gonna text me like, "It's really good." I'm no longer your friend, and you're kicked <laughs> off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, our our prediction that this one's only gonna last three episodes might come true. Oh no! <laughs> it might be our goodbye episode. Our goodbye next episode. <laughs> Goodbye, uh, it's all. Uh, I love trilogies. <laughs> hey, yeah, three. That's the best one. Oh my gosh. 
Wait, well, um, then they'll do a big reboot in 20 years with, like, some hot new actors and a bunch of CGI. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's how true They'll recreate us with computer and everything. It'll be great. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> It'll be called Amateur Cast World. Um, Amateur World. Uh, Sebastian Awakens. <laughs> Amateur World. The Amateur Awakens. World. Amateur World. <laughs> in IMAX 3D. <laughs> <laughs> And it's going to flop. Oh, man. Uh, produced by Kevin Feige. Just like Onward. Just kidding. Just like Onward. Segway! Whoa! Whoa. Um, so, after that magnificent kidding. and very correlated segue, um, <laughs> today uh, we wanted to talk about Pixar movies in honor of Onward coming out um, on VOD, which is kind of historic. It's the first Pixar film and one of the first ever films to come out on home release during what was supposed to be its theatrical window Mm -hmm. because of this whole uh, virus shenanigan. So that was the understatement of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Calling the pandemic a shenanigan. The first one was Trolls, wasn't it? The first one, I believe, was Trolls, too. Like, the first one to come out of this pandemic, yeah. So I guess you can say Um, Trolls World Tour is a historic film. For some reason. Yeah, (sighs) this is true. The historic films are always the weird ones. Like, Angry Birds 2 is the highest rated video game movie of all time. (laughs) Angry Birds 2. Not Sonic, not the first one. No. Angry Birds 2. Um, so... We wanted to talk about Onward. What did you guys think of Onward? Uh, it, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I... All right, great discussion. Know. Everybody go home. Yeah, all right, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Enjoy. Very nuanced. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. It's a, an original idea by Pixar, which they... Um, to me, their sequels are pretty weak. A lot, especially a lot of their movies recently have been pretty weak, especially now that we had rewatched their earlier movies and just like the great mm-hmm. pacing and the great storytelling and the great, just how mature they kind of were, but still well enough for kids. This was totally different in any, every way. The pacing was just awful. Um, the, there was no investment personally with any of the characters. I yeah, really I didn't care for their adventure. Um, I don't even remember their names, <laughs> to be honest. Like, none of them were pretty either. memorable. Um, it had a good ending, I guess. Like, the ending, I thought, okay, that's a cute idea. But in theory, really. Like, in execution, it really was pretty... Um, it was just wasted potential, I think. And especially, I was also thinking this in the movie, the world that they that they're in... It's pretty lame. Like, it's not really explored as well. Because it's supposed to be, what, like medieval fantasy fairy tale, but in real life, right? But Mm -hmm. to me, like, the part that I enjoyed most, besides, I guess, like, a scene that we can get into later, maybe, is um, the beginning, when they're introducing the fairy tale world, wizards fighting dragons. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this movie could have been so much better if it was about this personally Mm -hmm. because i feel like all the fairy tale things in the real world were not explored too much like not well enough i think yeah and it just felt very bland and just kind of by the numbers and not memorable in any way 
Um, also, <laughs> I love Chris Pratt with all my heart, but <laughs> Jack Black should have been the brother. I thought, like, I thought that was completely oh. miscast. Huh. It was clear that he was trying to channel Jack Black in that role. I was just like, it's not working. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid comparison. It's very Poe. Um, and then Tom Holland, I didn't even know that it was him for half of the movie. I was like, that's Tom Holland? Like, I didn't even uh, know that until thing... you said it right now. <laughs> Are you serious? You didn't know that was Tom Holland? No. I know. Oh, yeah. That's like, funny. One thing that I noticed about the Pixar films, at least for the majority, they never use like famous stars or celebrities to umph the people to come and see the movie. They choose people that fit perfectly for the voices of the characters. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. does anybody know who um, Craig T. Nelson is or Holly Hunter? Like, do kids really know who they are? But they voice the parents right. in The Incredibles. And they're perfect for their characters. The yeah. only time... And Holly Hunter's an amazing actress in everything she yeah, does. They're both but, great. Uh, yeah. It's not like it's... She's not Elastigirl Drake. to sell tickets. She's Elastigirl <laughs> because she's a great Elastigirl. Mm-hmm. No, but like, there's like Illumination or Blue Sky where they're like, we have Drake voicing a character or uh, we have Zac <laughs> Efron. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Justin true. Beaver. All these famous people to lure in the kids. And Pixar, for the most part, doesn't do that. The only time they really did was for their first movie, was Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, but that was... And even they were perfectly cast. Yeah, exactly. Even it worked perfectly then, because you hear their voices and you think immediately of the characters. And obviously, that was the first Pixar movie. It needed some sort of star power to allure in people. After that, it was like, okay, well, now let's focus more on what matters. It's the story. And these characters and the pacing of it. and um, But uh, I don't know. They've Lately, they've just... It just hasn't been the same. And it's pretty prevalent in this movie, obviously. With, like, mm-hmm. We have Chris Pratt and yeah. Sp- Spider-Man and Star-Lord <laughs> in the Pixar film. And that's like... They don't even fit their character well. And I don't know. It's... Yeah, sorry. What, did, what else did you guys think of the movie? Well, I agree with you on the acting portion for sure. I I do like Chris Pratt a lot as a voice actor. I think he's really talented, um, especially in the Lego movies. Oh, yeah. And, um, but in Onward, he's definitely just playing Chris Pratt. Yeah. Like, he's playing, he's playing Jack Black. He's, He's just playing that archetype. And I thought he did a good job. It was solid. But there could have been more to it. I agree with you on that. And I feel like looking at Jack Black's performance as Poe, it's similar where he's playing that same archetype, but there's a lot more emotion and depth to it. So I actually agree with you on that. I think that's a pretty good point, that Jack Black could have been a good... And, you know, maybe he was a first choice. I have no idea. Um, But I thought Chris Pratt was fine. He did pretty good. Um, Tom Holland is a great actor, but I've seen him... He's voice acted a few times now, and I really think he's still figuring out how to do that. Um, He's a new actor... Uh, you know, he's very young and voice acting's hard. A lot of actors who do a lot of live action think, oh yeah, I'll take this voice role and it'll be the same as acting and it's not. Um, and 
I feel like Tom Holland is a good example of somebody who knows how to how to act live action, but is still struggling to really find their acting skills in voice work. Mm-hmm. Because he also voice acted in Doolittle and um, Spies in Disguise. And in his defense, those scripts do not highlight what he's capable of. <laughs> um, wow, but, Doolittle. Yeah, I just don't think he's that great of a voice actor at this point. <laughs> I feel like he can do a lot better um, yeah. than what he's doing in his movies. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because his performance as Spider-Man yeah, yeah, yeah. has a lot of a lot of nuances to it and a lot of emotion in it. And yeah, I feel and like when he's kid, voice acting, really. he's yeah, but I feel like when he's voice acting, he's getting into this mindset of like this is a, a kids movie and it's very exaggerated and kind of silly. And so his whole thing is like, "Hey brother, it's me. Hey mom, oh, I'm sad. Oh, unicorns. I hate unicorns." Like it's just so you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Agree. And I just feel like I just feel like the character that he played is such a typical kids movie character too. Um yeah. And I I don't know. I his whole motivation for f- wanting to know the dad that he never met. And spoilers by the way for the movie if you even care. Yeah, there's going to be spoilers. <laughs> That's in the trailer, but Uh don't see it, but if you have already okay, cool. But um uh, the whole thing, you kind of find out that the older brother never said goodbye to the dad. And, um, you know, he saw him in bed, he got scared, and he never said goodbye. And then Tom Holland's character, again, I don't remember the character's names, but um, Tom Holland's character... I think it was Ian for Tom Holland. And maybe. I think it was Ian and Barley. Oh, I remember yeah. it was Barley. It was Barley. That's right. Um, But... He had never met him, and he wanted so desperately to meet this guy that he had no association with or anything. And it's like, don't you think the roles should have been switched? Um, because friggin' Barley, whatever his name is, um, that was the last thing he had with his dad. And to have him, I don't know, like... It just it didn't feel it didn't feel natural. It didn't make really much sense, and I just didn't care at all for a character wanting to know someone who he doesn't know or he never met. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean I, 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 I don't know how that feels, especially when that character doesn't have a face or a personality. Yeah, just legs. like I, I get that the whole thing is supposed to be it's a brother movie. In, in the end, that's what I was meaning. Like at the end, it's like, oh, okay, so it's supposed to be. A whole brother relationship like the brother took place of the dad took care of him and that's in theory and concept that's great but again in execution it was just like but for the majority of the movie i just didn't care and i didn't i, I don't know it's it's that's not easy i mean it's not good when your central characters and the actual driving force is not so well realized and just so not special I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that... I thought that that ending... Oh, go ahead, Alex. Oh, I was going to say, I feel like that's why I don't like the ending. And I'm like, it was kind of like dissatisfying. Like, because the whole movie, he's so excited to see his dad. And like, I don't know. Then randomly he realizes, oh, my brother's been there for me the whole time. And then he like doesn't care anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it kinda just He kind of just like sacrifices so... it. I'm like, I was just thinking the motivation just kind of dropped and then it kind of transferred to the brother 
suddenly, and I, it wasn't satisfying to me, because the whole movie I'm waiting for him to meet his dad, and then I'm like, oh, so now he doesn't care suddenly, he's just kind of like, oh, I don't need to meet him anymore. I was going to say pretty much the same thing. I like that ending a lot in theory of him giving that meeting with the dad to Barley instead of taking it for himself. I thought that was a was a good way of completing his arc and giving the movie an ending that felt different and original. But in execution, like you said, it, it doesn't feel earned and it feels really dissatisfying. And I think a big part of the reason is because that reveal that Barley never got to meet his dad comes really late in the movie and really suddenly. There's no mm-hmm. setup to it. There's no hints towards it earlier. And it doesn't, you don't really see that in the way Barley behaves or acts when learning about the dad earlier in the movie. Exactly. There's just one point where Barley goes, hey, Ian, I never told you this, but I never got to meet our dad because I was scared. Yeah, it's and forced drama. It's it comes forced... out of no, it's yeah. really, it's really shoehorned in. It's really yeah. bad. Um. And it's even shoehorned into a scene that really wasn't moving in that direction. No, it um, was... Well, the scene they were where they're on the Cheeto boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, they're kind of in the middle of this wacky, zany adventure, and they sit down, and then Chris Pratt goes, I have to tell you something so that the ending of this movie can fulfill the plot and both exactly. of our characters. Um, it's very shoehorned Like, the in. pieces are there, definitely, to make the movie good and satisfying, but it's just scrambled in different areas that it just feels... like Like I was saying, the pacing and the whole formula of the movie it's just it's not good yeah (laughs) i think formula is a great word to describe this movie because my biggest problem with it was that it was the most formulaic script i've seen from pixar yet yeah and i i struggle to think even some of the bad pixar movies maybe cars too but i'm (laughs) I'm struggling to think of another pixar movie that has as by the numbers formulaic of a script as this one because i feel like I've seen this movie mul- multiple times before. It yeah. didn't have elves. It didn't have Tom Holland. It didn't have talking or walking pants, mm-hmm. but it was the same movie in its skeleton. And that's why I feel like this movie isn't really original because I feel like you could get the same plot even if there wasn't any like f- creature creatures, thing. you know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. this plot could Absolutely. be seen in any way or form. Like they could be in space Absolutely. and you could figure out a way to execute it. With getting the same message, so that's why I was kind of like, that's what annoyed me too. That's like, what I meant with the said. world not being so realized or awesome or memorable. It's just like, well, there's nothing yeah. of the story of the world that really elevates the story. Yeah, exactly. Like, makes it feel like it it needs to be in this world. It's like, like no, yeah, I, I can see elves. this taking place somewhere else and it doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. They could be normal people. They don't have to be elves. And I'd still <laughs> yeah. get it. I think at Pixar's best, they write stories that are made for the worlds and the characters they create. Like Toy Story or WALL-E, those movies and those plots work because they're toys or because yeah. they're robots. Oh, right? yeah, definitely. At their worst, they forget to do that. Um, and I think it's mostly in the later stuff, but like oh, Cars 2, I'll say again. In Cars 2, if you rewatch that movie, there is no point where they, where they have to be cars. It could be a movie, and the same kind of goes for Cars mm-hmm. 1, but they do some interesting world building. But in, as, far as, as far as the story structure goes, I, haven't, I don't know about Cars 3 because I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, full disclosure. In those first two Cars movies, those mo- movies could be live action movies about humans who race cars, and it would be the same. And in the second one, it could totally. be a live action movie about humans who race cars, and then there's also spies, and it would be the same. Totally, um, totally. 
And yeah, like you said, I think Onward is another good example of that. I think at their worst, Pixar forgets to write stories um, or neglects to write stories that only can fit this character in this world. Another thing that I wanted to mention about Onward, and then we can move on if you guys are done with Onward. Um, no, no, there's more. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> like, I can trash talk it all day. <laughs> um, but Sebastian, like you were talking about the world building with Onward, part of the reason uh-huh. that I, too, was really excited going into this movie is because, confession, I'm a huge Dungeons & Dragons nerd. <laughs> I... Very. Oh, no. This is true. <laughs> I was playing Dungeons and Dragons earlier today before we started this recording. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I'm a you heard huge... it now, folks, on uh, Amateur <laughs> Cast episode two. I'm Colby super... Leapy's plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's true. I love D and love Lord of the Rings. I love fantasy crap. Uh, orcs and goblins oh, yeah. and elves and centaurs and mermaids. That is absolutely <laughs> my jam. So that put in a, like a new twist in a modern setting on top of Pixar, which is a studio I love, I thought this movie's made for me. Onward's going to be one of the best Pixar movies. Um, I was really excited for it. Um, the trailers came out and I was like, okay, uh, this looks kind of basic, but I'm still excited. I still have good hopes because I love the idea. And in the first 10 minutes of the movie, I was like, cool, yeah. Um, this is a really interesting setting, and granted, I thought the exposition was really, um, could have been handled a lot more better, a lot better, because it's literally opening narration that goes, in this world, it's like yours, but there's elves, and magic, but not anymore, like, it was just a very blatant narrator, yeah, um, (laughs) but, um, I liked the concept of the world, I liked the designs, I thought it was all clever, um, the centaur cop is funny. Like it was clever. It was clever ideas, but then the execution of it, it didn't mm. need to have those clever ideas. It it was just, there was nothing unique or distinct about it being fantasy. No. Um, no. And yeah, it just, it, they didn't, it didn't feel like they fulfilled the great ideas that they started with in the world building. The world building felt really incomplete. Um, and I was really disappointed by that because I think Pixar, again, at its best with some of its earlier movies, its biggest strength is world building. Um, WALL-E, which we'll talk about later in this episode, has some of the best world building I've ever seen in a movie and has really clever and subtle exposition. Like, you don't mm-hmm. watch WALL-E oh, yeah, and go, totally. oh, this is the exposition scene. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, again, we'll get to that. There's not, <clears throat> yeah, there's not like a bunch of opening narration, but... And we'll, yeah, I, I won't get too much into this because we'll talk about it later. But you you, you get, get halfway through you the movie and it. you realize, oh, I know everything yeah. about this world. What? Yeah, it's it's Pixar can be really good at exposition, but in Onward, I don't think they were. I think they did a really bad job with it. Was there anything you guys liked about the movie? Any positives? Anything at all? I'm really trying to. Oh, uh, the animation obviously is great. It's Pixar. They know how to yeah. animate movies well. Had good animation. Solid. I thought Octavia Spencer was good as the Manticore. She was funny. I thought her performance was good. Dang, really? And the Manticore was a fun char- was a fun side character. I absolutely hated that character. Oh, really? Heart. Okay. That, I, that scene at the uh, when they were meeting the Manticore and she was trying to handle work and meeting them, talking to them. Hated that scene with all my heart. It was the worst scene in the movie. I hated it. That's pretty dramatic, but... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I genuinely hated that character in any time she appeared in the movie. Um, I thought Julia Louis-Dreyfus was fine. 
I like yeah. her as an actress. Yeah. She did a good job in the movie. There's nothing memorable or distinct about her character, but that's not her fault. That's the script. I liked the, uh, the in-concept, the, the dragon at the end being made of the school. I thought that was kind of fun design. Yeah, that was cool. Especially when was clever. The, the, the face comes on and it's like a happy, happy dragon face. I thought that, that was funny. Um, um, the scene I liked was when the centaur cop, when they were like, they put the spell so they were the centaur cop and then when he lied, oh, like, you know. A and different body part would appear. First, and then when the I, whole drama thing came in, it's like, oh god, you think I'm a failure? You yeah. think I'm? But a, that little, I'm a screw that little, up. yeah, scene that felt forced as well. Irritating. When he was like, oh, you really think I'm a screw up? I was like, I don't yeah, care. I'm like, about I don't this. care. <laughs> you think I'm a screw up? Yeah. I'm like, we all know you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally in the opening narration that you are a screw up. Um. Like, what did that have to do with the rest of the plot? Yeah. Like. I don't know. It, it kind of like, does, but it's just you just didn't care. You weren't invested yeah. in any of the drama. It's just so forced in. Um, One thing about this movie I can say that's very positive is my favorite character in the movie. And that favorite character is the van. <laughs> Guinevere! <laughs> One thing that I thought was cool about this movie was that they really did a good job in the script. And this is one of the only compliments I'm going to give mm-hmm. this script. They did a good job making the van feel like a character. That sounds weird. That sounds kind of dumb. Yeah. But the van is like a, a major part of the movie. It has a it has a lot of use in the plot. A lot of things happen to it or around it that affect the plot and affect the characters. Yeah. And Chris yeah. Pratt's character's um, bond with the van is really well established. So when, spoilers, when the van dies, yeah. uh, quote unquote. Whenever you're. I felt emotional about that scene. That was one of the only scenes where I felt invested. I didn't feel invested in the characters who are living, breathing people, but I felt invested in this car. But the thing about that is he didn't even... The character, what's his name? Barley? It's like he wasn't even that upset about the car. That's true. After the van dies, they don't mourn it whatsoever. That's true. I, I do agree, though. I, I It reminded me of me with my Jeep. So... So, <laughs> and um, flex. <laughs> a lot of moments reminded me of like um, another positive thing is um, just how I interact with my brothers, like how I pick them up from school. I'm always yelling at them from the car, not like screaming at them, but like, I have my music blasted and everything. I mean, I know that's kind of like the archetype for brothers in movies, but um, it's been a while since we've seen any sort of brother thing in a movie. So, or at least an animated movie like Disney or something. So it was, that was cute. Sure. Brother Bear. Brother Bear. Brother Bear. Oh, God. <laughs> um. Probably my favorite scene in the movie is um, um, when they're trying to cross the, the cliff when the bridge is up. That was like the only scene that I had felt any sort of tension. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, like. Yeah. Um. It was a total Indiana Jones reference, but I thought, I, which I thought was fun. I agree. I was going to say, I agree. It was one of the only scenes with good tension, but it was also totally ripped off from The Last Crusade. Yeah. And maybe it was more like an homage, but to me, it just felt like a ripoff because it was just... I don't know. It felt like they got to this point in the script where they went, oh, well, we need an extra scene here. And then they went, what if we just did that one from The Last Crusade? Because <laughs> it was like the same scene. Yeah, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. That was the only scene I thought was fun. It's true. It wasn't necessary. Yeah. But it was a it was a good it was a fun yeah. scene. 
like when the the rope was breaking him, I was actually like, "Oh crap, he might fall." That was the only time I actually kind of reacted, mm-hmm. or my eyebrows went up during the movie. Other times, just like oh, God, whatever. <laughs> well, now that we have publicly sent onward to the gallows and hanged it in the street, <laughs> um, bashing it for all the world to listen, now we can move on to some really fun, happy talk about great Pixar movies. Yay! Yes. Uh, wait, what would you guys give the movie out of ten, though? Six out of ten. I'd give it a five or a six. Oh wow, that's high. Uh, I'd give it a four out of ten. I I say a passing grade because I, yeah, it had like. It had story structure. It had characters with completed arcs. Like it had the the components of a good movie. It just didn't have anything yeah. special to dis- yeah. to distinguish it. Like I w- I would give it a C as if I was a teacher grading an essay and the essay followed all the rules, but I didn't enjoy reading it. That's how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a below average picture. If you film. wrote That's this in your screenwriting it. class to demonstrate to the teacher that you understood the lesson on story structure, it would be a passing grade. But like, it's not it fun to grade. watch. There's nothing about it that stood out to me. And as far as Pixar yeah, goes, it's exactly. yeah, it's a pretty. Pixar's a high bar. You know what I mean? Pixar makes great movies. So, for Pixar standards, it felt bad. They used to, yeah. Yeah, they used to. Personally, like, the last great one was Coco. I agree. I think that I agree. Now that we have talked about Onward, let us talk about our favorite Pixar movies. So, Sebastian, why don't you go first? Ah, very well. Okay. Um, So, um, I love a lot of Pixar movies, a lot of, especially a lot of the early Pixar films. Um, But if I am to say my favorite or at least the one I consider to be of the high quality. And Colby and I share it too. It's Ratatouille, directed by Brad Bird. And if you haven't seen Ratatouille, spoiler talk. And also, what are you doing? <laughs> Watch it. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, it's about a rat named Remy, who dreams of becoming a chef. And not only is he does he dream of it, he's really good at it. He uh, he looks up to the best chef in France, uh, Gusto, who is a very inspiring man, a very fat man who uh, inspires everyone that anyone can cook, right? And uh, and after a series of events, Remy ends up in Paris, France, and the restaurant, and is met up with a funny-looking, funny-sounding man named Linguini who works at the restaurant after uh, Linguini kind of messes up some soup. Remy fixes the soup behind his back, but then they meet. And uh, before Linguini goes off to kill him, they decide to make a bond and have him cook because everyone thinks Linguini cooked the soup. And uh, it sounds ridiculous, but it completely works and it's great. And it's about art. It's about passion. It's about um, not allowing where you are where you started to define where you're going and just um yeah it's my favorite and i think it's the best pixar film uh what do you guys have to say about ratatouille god i love ratatouille so much ratatouille is amazing <laughs> um i just it's so good. <laughs> ratatouille makes me so happy every time i watch it it's one of my go-to like feel-good movies mm-hmm. um I, there's been there have been times where for no yeah. reason at all I'll just think to myself I've got to watch Ratatouille again like today 
Like, I'll just wake up and I'll be like, I gotta watch that movie again. I've seen it so many times now. <laughs> yeah. But it really is fantastic. And it really does have a very uh, unique, unique quality to it. Mm. It feels very distinguished from other Pixar movies and other animated movies. And there's a lot that Ratatouille does that I've never seen another movie, another movie do quite the same. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, younger, I still loved the movie. Like, I still enjoyed it. It was Pixar. Younger, I leaned towards more, I don't know, Toy Story movies. And don't get me wrong, those are, like, my second favorite Pixar films. Especially the second film. But um, as an almost... I'm, technically, I'm an adult, I guess. I'm over 18. But being my <laughs> age, I guess... Um, with all the nuances and all the themes of, again, passion, art, what it means to create, what it means to critique, um, making new things, discovering new things in life and art and what that means to others. And just those themes are so mature for a kid's movie. And I love it. And um, I love the music, obviously, by Michael Giacchino, right? Is that how you say his name? Mm-hmm. Yes, one of my favorite uh, composers. Yeah, although I think his score for Up is better, but um, like is the best. Yeah, that's like it's, the best. It's iconic. Like Married Life, that's the single best music the best. from any Pixar movie ever, in my opinion, honestly. But um, I uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I love how I love at the end, especially when. The critic, on Anton Ego, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. When he's critiquing or putting the review of uh, the Ratatouille meal that he had, like, I love the words that he says at the at the end. That that totally mm-hmm. makes you like kind of realize what the whole movie is about and what it was going for. Like, I think there's a line that he says. I even put it like on my letterbox review. Um, that not everyone can be a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. And it's like, oh, like oh, as, a, as a kid. I love that. As a kid, mm-hmm. I always thought the theme was, oh, yeah, anyone could cook if they put their mind to it. But um, sure. growing up, it's like, oh, no, it's like anyone from anywhere can make a difference. Anyone anywhere can do what they can do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You You shouldn't just be subject to... Being in Paris yeah. to be a great chef, being only in LA to make a movie, you can you can be in the worst places ever. Heck, you can be a rat, as the movie says, to be a cook. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> so, can be from the um, sewers. Exactly, literally from the sewers. <laughs> Metaphorically. And, um, yeah. And I also, it's kind of sad though because the movie is also about the power of making new things and what that can do, and being original and not following the book. Which is what Pixar and Disney has been doing for the past couple of years. Oh man, burn! <laughs> so it's like yeah. this does not hold up for Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Ratatouille. I have to say, I think that's one of my favorite Pixar endings. I think that's the best ending, like the last scene. When um, what do you mean, like when he's that's saying good. the critique, or when he's um? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. When they're reading the critique, and then it shows what happened to the restaurant and yeah yeah it's just a really good way to wrap it up yeah definitely um obviously the animation is fantastic um holds up really well to this day oh yeah definitely i love how 
people get drunk in the movie? What's his name? Um, uh, Linguini. What's his name? Um, Linguini and that Linguini. and the little short chef. That chef. I don't remember his name. Yeah, little short man. I forgot his name. The evil, evil chef. But um, <laughs> they get drunk. I had no idea that they, as a kid, you know what I mean. Like, sure. Like, just like things that I didn't notice mm-hmm. when I was little. You know what I mean? Like it still works for when you're a kid, and then I think it works more when you're older. Which I love. All, all three of the movies we're talking about today touch on some really adult themes that Pixar hasn't yes. made movies that adult in a couple years now. Yeah, I miss it. I'm like, whoa, this is great. Ratatouille <laughs> talks about like poverty and discrimination. And yeah, it's through rats. That too. But, um, like, Ratatouille, man. In a pretty man. subtle way, too. It's not mm-hmm. like it's like... Very subtle. It's not like shoving it in your face at all. No, I don't think so. But uh, you talked about Cause... Paris and L.A. and how Ratatouille is all about how, uh, you know, great artists can come from anywhere. One of my favorite things about Ratatouille that I'd love to, I, like, see what you guys think about is the way it portrays mm-hmm. Paris. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think you can go into this movie having no connection with Paris. Everybody knows Paris as, like, this sort of go-to, like, cool destination spot. Like, it's a beautiful city. Everybody likes Paris. The romantic city yeah. in Europe or something, right? But you can go into this movie having never been to Paris, having no connection with Paris. And that applies to me. I've never been to Paris. I don't know if you guys have. I've never been to France. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I've never been to Europe. Um, I have no connection with that city. But you watch this movie and you feel like you've been to Paris and you've fallen in love with it and you can't wait to go back. Oh, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. You can smell the food they're cooking. Mm-hmm. You can taste it when they're eating it. You can, yeah. you just feel like you're in the streets, you're yeah. in the restaurant, you're there with the whole camaraderie of when they're cooking. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I love those movies that make you actually feel like you're there. Speaking of taste, when you can, like, taste the food they're tasting, I really like the animation they do when um, Remy and, what's the brother's name? Emil. Yeah, when they're both eating the food, I really like the animation. Oh, like, yes, yeah, the little, like, yeah. thing. The, like the, the colorful the swirls 70s. and all that. Yeah, I oh, really like that. That's one touch. of my favorite scenes in all of animation. I mean, it visualizes taste mm-hmm. in a way that feels right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, these artists... Yeah, definitely. Imagine being one of those animators and your executive producer or director or whoever just walks up to you and they're like, Hey, so we need you to animate this scene where <laughs> you visually represent taste. And how good food tastes huh. through art huh. and colors. I wouldn't even know where to start with that. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So, but they do, and it feels right. That, you watch it, and point. you're like, "Yeah, that was an accurate representation of what it's like when I eat my favorite food." Yeah. Totally. That's why I really like yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy. Very I love creative. when Pixar does innovative animation like that. Yeah, rewatching these movies, it's like. You're right, Kobe. I totally noticed how adult a lot of the themes were. Like Incredible. Oh, again, we'll get to Incredibles and Wally soon, but um, but like in the span of all those three movies, like you said, they talk about poverty. They talk about um, you know um, someone committing suicide and stopping yeah. it. Um, the fact that the um, technology takes over. Um, how in Wally, we're gonna get all this, all these in right. Wally. Yeah, we'll get to yeah, that in a minute. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, but just all these crazy, a lot of dark stuff. But it works, still works for kids, mm-hmm. which I think is great. It's not like it's 
too dark and scary for them not to see, but it's no. not too dumb for them for the for the adults or the older people to not enjoy. Yeah. It teaches. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's when Pixar really flourishes, in my opinion. Yeah, it like addresses kid. kids not like they're idiots, but like they're they're ready to understand some really important themes that they need to learn. And these movies teach it to them exactly, um, exactly. in a way that's yeah. not dumbing them down. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take these themes and dumb them down to their child audience. Illumination Entertainment. <laughs> I hate them. The Lorax. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the Lorax. Um, respect the trees, but they're like their ads are like Toyota or something. Where they <laughs> add pollution to the earth. <laughs> Such hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's funny with Ratatouille though with with what we were talking about with both the portrayal of Paris and with like great food and taste I feel like it mm-hmm. it even though it has these amazing representations of these things it doesn't uh, depict them through rose colored glasses it still shows the oh, negative no. aspects of them and the darker parts of them it still shows the grimy and gross parts of Paris um, you know it's like still rats. it's like you said yeah, rats. Uh, sewers. And it's like you said, Seb, it's not necessarily that anyone can cook, but it's that a great cook or a great artist can come from anywhere. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Ratatouille, even though it's this like silly movie about rats cooking soup, uh, it's really <laughs> brutally honest and yeah. still, oh, yeah. and yet still very optimistic and uplifting, and I love that. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, just and again, it just, it works for both the kids and the adults, and it's like I'm rewatching these. Is like, oh man, I miss when. Don't get me wrong. There's like several animated movies here and there that are pretty exceptional. Like for me, latest one that's not Pixar would probably be the Lego Movie, hmm. with um great the. It's great for kids, but it's also there's these themes of consumerism. Yeah, and, um, and uh, politics and all that stuff. It's like, oh crap. We can get to that movie another time. Hopefully, I would love to sure. talk about. Or Spider Verse is another but, um, recent good, exa- good or example. Or Spider Verse, exactly. Spider Verse is another one that's really great. But um, yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Ratatouille <laughs> is fantastic. Um, do we have anything else to say about Ratatouille? I think we covered it. No. Okay. Well. I give Ratatouille obviously a ten out of ten. My favorite Pixar film, one of my favorite animated films, and one of my favorite films in general. Me too. I love it. I love ten it. out of ten. I concur. I also gave it a ten out of ten. Wow. Awesome. So go watch it. Wow, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty hard to beat that for the rest of this episode, baby. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Probably uh the first ten out of ten we can all agree on. That's cool. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So far. Cool. Record. Um. Okay. Well, now that we spoke about Ratatouille, which is arguably the best Pixar film, I'm sorry, uh, we can talk about two other ones that are pretty good. I'm just playing. No, I love them too. Um, uh, Paps, why don't you uh, present yours? Okay. Well, my personal favorite is The Incredibles. And if you haven't seen it, it's a yep. really great film. Um, so basically what it's about is it's about superheroes (laughs) that's the easiest way to say it but it's about superheroes these two superheroes who were really famous but basically stuff goes down and superheroes get banned because 
there's a there's a lot of stuff. You just have to watch it. Very but they get yeah. banned. So these two superheroes, they have fallen in love and they get married and it shows them 15 years later. And now they're just a typical suburban family who have two kids and they just live in the suburbs and they're living their lives. They're doing normal jobs and... Basically, the dad's having a midlife crisis with superheroes. So, basically, the dad (laughs) is feeling like he can't do anything right anymore. And he, like, he wishes it was, like, the old days where he can still be Mr. Incredible. So, he gets presented Mm -hmm. with this random job opportunity, which he thinks, wow, like, they need me to do it, but... You find out later that... Okay, spoilers. You find out later that it isn't what it seems. And basically... Yeah, spoilers for all these movies, guys. Come on. You you guys have seen them. It's Pixar. You You guys grew up with these movies. Or you took your kids to them. I don't know. You've seen them. It's fine. You've seen these movies. (laughs) And if you haven't, what is wrong with you? Go watch them now. Well, no, finish this episode first. Because we need views. And then go watch them. Go watch them. So anyways, basically he he gets a secret mission, which turns into trouble. And then his whole family, who all have superpowers as well, they kind of get forced into kind of saving him. But it's like a story about how it brought the family closer together. And yeah, pretty much. (laughs) That's how it is. But yeah. um, what I really like about this movie is I think my favorite part is the characters. Like, you really connect to all the characters oh, yeah. because obviously they're really relatable and all the things they go through are very relatable. They feel like a genuine family. Yeah, and no matter what age or, like, gender you are, you can relate to one of the characters in a certain way. And they're these superheroes that have these incredible superpowers, but... It's funny to show that they're, like, real people and they do normal things. And... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just really like that it just shows that no family's perfect, but family's super important. And uh, issues in your family, they come up, but that's what makes family family. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Uh... What I love about The Incredibles is that it they're superheroes, um, yeah. but they're relatable. It's In last episode, mm-hmm. we talked about, when talking about Stand By Me, how this film, how that film can take these characters and this adventure and this idea, this situation that isn't relatable at all, but mm-hmm. make us feel like mm-hmm. we've been through the same. And Pixar is good at doing that in general with their crazy characters and worlds. I think especially mm-hmm. in Incredibles, it makes us yeah. relate to the superheroes. And... The Incredibles are a very normal family that go through very normal human issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Bob and what is Elastigirl's name? Uh, Helen. Helen, thank Helen you. Parr. Bob and Helen go through marital issues. They have arguments, and they're arguments that sound like arguments every mother and father oh, yeah. or married oh, couple yeah. have gone through. Um, it does a really good job portraying them very realistically. Dash and Violet have these immature sibling arguments that are hilarious, but that are super relatable to anybody who mm-hmm. grew up with siblings. 
Tony Ridinger. (laughs) 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 All that stuff. Yes. Um, Yeah, Bob hates his job at the office. He feels stuck at work. He feels like he's not fulfilling his potential. Helen feels unappreciated Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed as a stay-at-home mother. Um, Yeah. Like Elastigirl's... Yeah. Worried that she's probably cheating on her. Mm-hmm. You yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, Violet feels like invisible at school, which is represented by her ability to literally turn invisible. Um, yeah. What? Yeah. Whoa. Dash has all this unbridled energy he doesn't know what to do with because he hasn't properly been taught how to like contain him, his emotions, and that's represented through mm-hmm. his literal ability to have super speed. Like, it's... Such and Jack Jack sets on fire, so that represents yeah, because you know babies <laughs> built up anger uh, of not being able to talk. Like... <laughs> and they're demons. <laughs> the Incredibles is an anti-baby movie. That's the theme. <laughs> no, for those listening, I love babies. I'm kidding. I love that. <laughs> I really do. Also, no, what um... I like about this movie is I think Syndrome is like the best villain of like most superhero movies I've seen. Obviously, this isn't, like, a superhero movie, but it is. But just his motive... It's the best Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, and in the end, it's like he's not even a villain. He's not trying to take over the city for himself. He's trying to become a hero. And that's why I think he's a really good villain in that way. And his motive is very clear throughout the whole movie. Like, you Mm -hmm. get it. You get why he's really upset. Because his idol... Has betrayed him. Also, like, I love that um, it's not like he's just evil for Mr. Incredible. Like, obviously, that's what made him turn to be bad. Mm -hmm. But I noticed it's not like he's just like, I'm going to get revenge on you and only you. It's just like when he finally meets him, he just kind of thinks he kills him off really quickly. He's like, all right, cool. He's gone. Now let's continue on. It's kind of like (laughs) when you break up with someone and you see them again and you're all like, fit now and you have good hair and you have more uh i don't know you're just you're just better you're a better person (laughs) i guess physically maybe maybe not inside because like inside um you've been hurt and there's something that's kind of snapped Mm -hmm. but um you see them again and you're like you just kind of i guess maybe make fun of them or you kind of like make them feel bad about it and so the whole um thing about him is not just uh, I will get you, Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like that. It's just, okay, your rejection motivated me. And and, and at some point, he even says, and now I've outgrown, I've, I've outgrown yeah. you. Which I love. I love that it's not just a, like a little... Um, don't get me wrong. I still love the classic, like, uh, like I don't know, Willem Dafoe, uh, Green yeah, Goblin, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We'll meet again, Spider-Man. Stuff <laughs> like that. I love that. Don't get me wrong. But it's also, it's more than that. You know what I mean? It's not it's just... It's like different. A, unique in it's, that way yeah it's it's very unique in that way and um and alex what you were saying about everybody and kobe also you guys were saying about them feeling relatable totally oh yeah like the the, the how i love how natural the family dynamic is and mm-hmm. just like little character moments like when they're in the freeway and they're like okay take the exit on this way no i thought it was on this way that's gonna take me to the uh downtown yeah. like arguments you have in the in the car with your exactly. family on the freeway or um, <laughs> or when Elastigirl is um, vacuuming the the hallway, and then um, she goes to Mister Incredible's room, and there's like a bunch of dirt there, and she's like, <laughs> and so yeah. she goes to vacuum. It's like stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like little character things, exactly. That I really love. Um, 
And I also loved how natural the opening was, like when they're being interviewed. I know. Like, there I was love something that about so it I much. noticed. I was like, oh, they feel like they're real people. It doesn't feel like scripted. Like, I, I don't know. That's something I noticed and I genuinely enjoyed of that. Yeah, it's kind of mockumentary. Yeah, for sure. Um, if I am to say something bad about it, <gasps> some of the animation does not hold up at all. Mm. <laughs> Like, I which think parts? So. Some of it, like, oh, God, like, I can't, like, okay, if there is a point that I can bring up is when, it's in the beginning when Mr. Incredible gets the phone call from his wife, and Elastigirl is washing, or bathing Jack-Jack in the, uh, in the sink, like, there, I, that's when I was like, oh, this looks bad, <laughs> <laughs> like, there was just moments where the, there are moments, though, like, the textures, I'm like, oh, that looks mm-hmm. good. Like, that looks genuinely pretty great for 2020. And other moments, it's like, oh, that looks like <laughs> Toy Story. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah. it looks pretty bad. And, of, but course, I mean, of course, it was revolutionary when it came out in 2004. Um, yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's been 16 years. Oh, God, that's weird. But also... <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah, that is weird. But also, I can say something good about the animation. I really... Like, the scene where the airplane blows up and they end up in the ocean. I think that scene is so, like, beautifully done and, like, the waves yeah. and, like, how mm. it falls on their hair. It just, that animation was really good. That seems intense. Like, the yeah. action in this movie is tense. That's, like, my worst like, fear. it's actually, it's actually, like, the music builds up. People are screaming at each other. It's not, and people are shooting at each other. People are actually dying. It's like there's yeah. actual stakes and, and you feel it. And Mr. Incredible, when he's held captive, he thinks that his family died. And just that emotion is so crazy. Like when he hears over the intercom, like the plane has been shot down and he, you can like see it. It's just like really dark in that way. But not like too yeah. dark for yeah, a kid. It's awesome. just very. Yeah. It's not just like. Aw. It's intense enough. Yeah. Yeah. The Incredibles is a genuinely great action movie. And I don't know if yeah. there's another Pixar yeah. movie that, you know, it's it's genre, probably not the the first and foremost genre. I don't know if there's another Pixar movie that could be classified as an action genre movie. Um a lot of them have action in them, have moments of um intensity or like fun zany action, but this mm-hmm. movie is like an action movie on par yeah. with other superhero movies. Um like it's a really, really great action movie for a kid to sort of introduce them to that genre. Yeah. Um, if I am to say something positive about the second one, though, the action is well it's done. It's fantastic, yeah. Like, the angles and yeah. the the actual way they fight and their powers and everything, that was well done and fun. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan of the second Besides one either. That, yeah. But visually, yeah. it might be my favorite Pixar movie. I really like the animation oh, style. Visually? And the action choreography and all that stuff was really well done, even if the story mm. wasn't wasn't really there. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. No, but um, I wrote down um, Elastic Girl is dummy thick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god! It's your letterbox sorry, review. Oh my! I'm cutting god. that out. There's no. There's no way. <laughs> no, leave it in. Well, folks, you heard it here, folks. You had it. She knows I'm it having too. A stroke. When she looks in the mirror and she's like, looking. "Yeah," oh. I was like, "Oh," <laughs> I was like, "I'm getting red." Holy's face. PSA to listeners: I I wanted to cut this out, but you had to hear it. They're forcing me against my will to leave this in the edit. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry, mom. And it's a fact. Elastigirl is thin. And she knows um, it. I mean, you're not wrong. And she knows it. <laughs> but I don't want to say it. Admit it, Colby. Admit it. No! <laughs> My mom you listens to this. <laughs> she probably agrees. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you, Mrs. Leapies. <laughs> Okay, guys, so, um, what do you, uh, what would you rate The Incredibles? 10 out of 10, for sure. 10 out of 10 for me, too. Yeah, definitely. 10 out of 10. Uh, I love the movie. Oh, uh, yeah, I love the movie. One of my favorites. A favorite when I was a kid, and it still holds up. Me, too. Some of the animation doesn't, but, uh, it's still, uh, And I just it, love it, that now that we're older, yeah. we can still enjoy it, because adults can enjoy it, too. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and to all those who were r- listening to us talking about Onward and saying, it's a kid's movie, guys. Come on, be nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a kid's movie. It's a bad kid's movie, okay? Pixar and a lot of great, at least the best ones, are able to not take the kids and say, you guys are kids, you guys are dumb. Let's downgrade it and make it predictable for you guys to understand. No, the best kid's movies treat the kids like they respect the kids, and they tell a great story, but also accessible to them and for adults. And uh, it's not Secret Life of Pets 2 or Sing or <laughs> crap like that. Pixar doesn't hold kids' movies to a lower standard, and neither should you. Amen. Exactly. But if you enjoyed Onward, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't agree with you, but that's fine. If you enjoyed Onward and you're listening to this, we love you, and we're glad you enjoyed it, and we wish that we did too. Yes. Um, <laughs> we exactly. really wish we did. With that said, our opinions are right and you're wrong. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Onwards. Socks. No, um, I thought you were going to say another word, word and you just said the word. You're like, it sucks, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> we have one more film to talk about. We do. Um, that film, of course, is... Monsters University. No! Um, yeah, so, oh my god. So anyways, Monsters University <laughs> is actually a misunderstood masterpiece because what it really is is a meta-commentary on this uh, communist manifesto. I don't know. Um, I, that, was, that was me trying to um, BS some positives for Monsters University. No, um, my pick today was originally Ratatouille as well because I'm also a huge fan of Ratatouille. That's also... One of my favorites, but I ended up going with Wally. Uh, I rewatched Wally, and man, I loved this movie as a kid. I've seen it probably a million times as a kid, but rewatching it totally blew me away. Totally exceeded my expectations. Um, Wally is straight up a masterpiece. It's true. It's really good. Um, Wally, for the for the plot, for those who somehow haven't seen it, Wally is about a sort of dystopian future where um, humans have through sort of over corporation and over um, saturation of, of the economy and, and business um, destroyed the ecosystem of the planet um, and have literally filled the entire planet with trash. So what they do is they say, okay, we'll get on this rocket ship. Uh, we'll get on the space shuttle that we've made 
and we'll live on that for five years, while all these robots that we program to stay behind while we're gone clean up the world so that in five years we can come back. But it doesn't actually take five years. It turns out um, the trash is a lot worse than they thought, and it also turns out humans are inherently lazy and really like their cushy, fancy, uh, futuristic technology life on this spaceship, and so instead... Big chungus. They stay on the spaceship... (laughs) For 700 years, and that's when the story takes place. And so our protagonist is Wally. He's one of the robots who's left behind on the planet to clean up trash. And it seems like he's the only one left, or at least the only one left in this area that we find him. Um, and he's really lonely. And one of the things that's amazing about this movie is it takes this character who is not human, who cannot speak like complete sentences or really complete words, who doesn't have a face other than two eyes, which are just like camera apertures on a stick. It takes this character who shouldn't, again, shouldn't be relatable, and you so, so deeply understand his loneliness through his body language and his mannerisms and the very slight and subtle vocal performance um, of the actor who plays him, Ben Burt, plays him. Ben Burt. Yeah, you really understand his loneliness and you really feel for him, and then one day... Um, Eve comes down, who is a robot sent from the spaceship to find life. And it's sort of implied that they send these Eve bots down, like, all the time, but with no expectation of them actually finding finding anything, because they never do. It's just protocol. But she actually does find life this time, because Wally gives her a little plant that he's found, because he thinks she's pretty, and he falls in love with her. Um, and they develop this really beautiful relationship, um, until... Eve is whisked away by the spaceship to return the plant and Wally stows away on the spaceship to follow her and sort of in the end spoilers I guess if you haven't seen Wally um <laughs> if you haven't end, seen Wally why are you here yeah. in the end Wally ends up saving the day and pretty much saving humanity from itself from its own self-made robot overlords um by stowing away on the ship by tagging along and um just spreading his own, without even, he's not doing anything intentionally, but he's just such a beautiful, hopeful, genuine, kind creature that he, that him just being on the ship inspires people to take action and to live life to the fullest instead of being obsessed with oh, their yeah. screens. Um, and that ends up saving humanity because he inspires people like um, the characters John and, um, and then the captain, who's really greatly played by Jeff Garland. Um, yeah. yeah, but one of the big things I love about this movie is just Wally's positivity. The whole plot of this movie, and I never noticed this as a yep. kid, works because Wally's just so perfect that he inspires others. So cute. Um, yeah. There are scenes in this movie where he meets John and the captain, and he doesn't do anything. He doesn't, like, rally them with some inspiring speech because he can't talk. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just being himself. He's just being Wally. And they're so intrigued by him and like inspired by just the way he is um and they don't even realize it but they just he just opens their eyes to life and to enjoying Mm -hmm. the beauty in life and to living life instead of sitting in a chair and looking at a screen and eating burgers and those end up being the people that like lead the remainders of humanity to go back to earth and to like take back the life that the robots they made took from them um Oh, it's really beautiful. Um, what do you guys think of Wally? I just love that, like, 
more than the first half of the movie. There's no dialogue. It's just act. It's oh, just yeah. Wally doing his thing. And mm-hmm. It's like a silent film. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like Seb um, was talking about last episode. Yeah. Last episode, very... uh, we talked a lot about Chaplin and how he told the whole story through body language. And Wally does the same thing. Wally is like the modern Chaplin, but he's a robot and he doesn't even have a face <laughs> body or a body. Like he's, he's a box with two Music. camera apertures. <laughs> And he uses body language yeah. to tell a story, and that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the music's all expressive and everything. It's, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I feel like the first act of the movie, the storytelling is the strongest. Not that the second act is bad or anything. It's, I feel like the first act is definitely stronger in terms of subtlety, um, being able to show and not tell. And... Um, you're able to com- immediately get the state of the world just by seeing everything, especially with uh, the Hello Dolly song playing. Yes. Uh, right in the beginning when it says, what does it say? It says, uh, put on your Sunday clothes, there's lots of world out yeah. there. And when they're saying that, you're seeing the dusty clouds and you're seeing yep. the buildings filled with trash. You're like, oh, oh. You it's know like what I mean? eerie, like you kind of but... Feel scared. It's yeah. very eerie and apocalyptic. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's realistic. And I'm glad you brought you that up because I mean? um, one of the things. Oh, sorry. Uh, finish what you're saying. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I wrote down that I really wanted to talk about was the the methods that this film uses to make you feel especially affected by the story. And like this world is your world in the future. And there's a few things I noticed. Yeah. One, the fact that this movie uses live action people. Which I don't know if there's another Pixar movie that oh, does yeah. that off off the top of my head. No, I don't think so. But there so. are live action the actors one. in this movie. Um, there's like the former president played by Fred Willard, and then there's the people in the movies that Wally watches. There's a lot of live action faces in this movie, um, and they're sort of used to represent the past because this movie's seven hundred years in the future, and. What that makes you feel as the viewer is okay. I'm living in the age of these live action people that I'm seeing, which means that 700 years from now, this happens in my reality. This is my world if yeah. I don't do something, yeah. right? To to act and to live life and to like care for this planet that we live on. Um, another way it does that is real world references. And I think a lot of yeah. animated movies like Shrek, like Chicken Little, like lesser animated movies in my opinion, use a ton of pop culture references to be funny and to get easy laughs from the parents and the audience. Um, because they go, ha, I know that thing. Um, in Wally, every time there's a pop culture reference, for a minute you go, I know that thing, when they play Hello Dolly, <laughs> right? Um, um, or other things like that. Or when they play the music from Space Odyssey, which I do also want to talk about later. But um, Oh, totally. You laugh at it for a minute because you go, I know that thing. And then you realize what they're doing and like what that reference means. Um, and it's another mm-hmm. way of immersing you in the world because... This movie takes place in a world where Hello, where the movie Hello Dolly exists from 700 years ago, which makes you go, well, that's my world. This is my reality. This is 700 years on my planet Earth that I live on. You know what I mean? And that's scary. Yeah. It's like a relic. The beginning of this movie is eerie and scary and sad and very apocalyptic. The music, the, the music. cinematography, <laughs> the visuals of all this trash built up. Dude, it's spooky. The first it's spooky. 10 minutes of this movie don't feel like Disney. They feel scary. No, um, it's it is. like the trash 
buildings are bigger than the actual buildings. Way bigger. <laughs> it's pretty, yeah. pretty crazy. And the imagery of having huge towers of trash next to the man-made towers that are, like, supposed to be, like, these nice business towers, and the way that they kind of blend together and look the same, man, yeah. that's an image. That's crazy. That's, a, that's crazy. That is saying the entire message of the movie in just an image. Oh, yeah, totally. That's amazing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's so subtle, and you just get it, though. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And it's like a total, um, like the message, take care of the earth, you know, um, you know, uh, appreciate what you have. Like that, those are messages that have been done many times and I can see it being done really badly. But when the movie ended, I genuinely was like, oh man, I need to take care of the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was like, it, it yeah. actually hit me. Like I need, oh, like I need to respect. Mm-hmm. Like w- the sequence when he was, um. <laughs> When the captain was looking at the computer and he was like, define Earth, right? And all these beautiful pictures of Earth mm-hmm. now. And it's, for a second, I was like, I kind of missed that. Yeah. And it's like, well, but I have that. I'm not living in this world. Like, mm-hmm. you get so immersed yeah. into the dystopian yeah. aspect of it that once any form of green or life comes out, you're like, oh, that yeah. looks great. That looks beautiful. It's pretty crazy how you're able to be kind of... You're able to be distracted from... Yeah. What your world is now, and it makes you appreciate, and be able it. to be sucked into what's being told in the story. It's an extremely and, um, immersive. Like, so yeah, when the green came out, when the the green uh, little plant came out in the shoe, you do get like a pretty like oh, oh look like, it's this, it's green like it, it's life. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? it's uh, it's um, it's it's familiar. great. It's really and great. that scene that you're talking about with the captain, yeah. where he says, "Define Earth, define sea, define sky, mm-hmm. define dancing," um, that scene is startling. Because, I mean, at least when I saw that scene, it hit me really hard. Because there was this realization that he's not totally sure what Earth means. Or sea. Or dancing. Or dancing. Or the sky. Like, or reading. Like, he's probably heard, of, heard those sky. words. Because previous yeah. generations of this, of this generation of space people have talked about it. You know, grandpas and stuff. It's been 700 years. It's been a long time. But I'm sure stories have been passed down. But he was born on this spaceship. All these people were. Um... He was born in a reality where he doesn't have to walk or interact with people because he can just sit in this chair and watch entertainment on this screen and have food delivered to him in seconds. Um, That's thank God reality. we don't That's have scary. all of those done by one big scary mega corporation like BNL. Cough, cough, Amazon. But um, <laughs> my God, Jake Bezos, if you're listening, boom. Sponsored by Amazon. <laughs> yeah, this episode is sponsored by Amazon. You're dystopian overlords. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Jay. But yeah, that scene nothing. is startling because you realize that he doesn't know really what these things are. But then when he gets so happy hearing about them, the scene where he goes, when he sees people dancing and he goes, what's that? And it says dancing and he goes, what's, what's dancing? And he has this big smile on his face. I, I teared up. Like, that's beautiful. This guy mm-hmm. who has no idea what like real human interaction is, what fun is, what really living is. He he, just sort of in the back of his mind recognizes it and resonates with it, resonates with it because it's in his blood as a human. Um, he longs for and, it. Yeah. yeah, he longs for it. Yeah. Then he doesn't even realize he longs for it, but he does, and it brings yeah. him such genuine joy. It's oh, it's really beautiful, and Jeff Garland does such a great job in that scene and throughout the whole movie. Speaking of the captain, there's when I was younger, I thought the line that he said, "I don't want to survive, I want to live," was mm-hmm. funny. Right. Because it's like, oh, that's the same thing. He said the same yeah. thing. He's oh, dumb. he's dumb, huh? Growing up, it's like, no, that's not the same thing. Absolutely. 
It's like what we're doing now. We're not we're not living right <laughs> that's now. That's so deep. We're surviving because of everything that's happening. We're being inside. Same thing with him. He doesn't want to survive from being out of the dangers. He wants to be able to live life. He wants to be able to grow and walk again, yeah. <laughs> dance, plant these seeds, eat um, <laughs> grown food, all these things that we should be doing as humans. We need to live. Yeah. And I, I, that really hit me that time. It's like, oh, I remember I used to think that line was funny. <laughs> like, I even, I remember in the theater, people laughed at that mm-hmm. line because, oh, it's the same thing. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I was like, no. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that. <laughs> yeah, he knows it's, very it's well what he's talking about. So, I, I thought that was a... You're so right. We can very much relate to this movie during this virus. But I, that's exactly the point. Like you said, we feel like we're not living right now. We're surviving. But that's what this movie's telling you. Things suck. And you're stuck mm-hmm. in this terrible system or in this terrible situation um, that feels like you can't do anything mm-hmm. about it. But he finds a way to do something about it. And in this virus right oh, now, yeah. we're doing yeah. this podcast because we want to live. Like, we're stuck at home. Yeah. But we want to find wow. things that make us feel alive and feel special and feel human and have a human we are connection. Yeah. <laughs> we are the captain. But, yeah, like, that's what this movie's about. <laughs> Sometimes you're born into this crappy situation where you're stuck in this system but you can do something about it. You don't have to just survive. Yeah. You always have the option to live. Yeah. Amen. It's a really inspiring yeah. movie. Wow. It's awesome. It really is awesome. Um, I love the way that things are set up in the beginning. Um, Wally being able to fix himself. Wally, uh, how is he? You know, people could question, well, how is he able to live all these years if all these robots have died? Oh, well, because he's solar powered. Yeah. Uh, how does he fix himself? Oh, um, or how, like what happens if he breaks? Oh, he can fix himself. He ha- he's able to put on his eye. He's able to fix his his uh, his wheel. And obviously that comes back later when spoilers. If you haven't seen Wally, leave. Get out of here. Now. <laughs> um, when Wally gets crushed and dies, probably the saddest thing I've ever seen. Um, I cried. That you're like, oh yeah, like he can get fixed. I cried. That's why there's that great urgency to get back to Earth. Great. And again, uh, that great, um, I was watching it with my family, right? I rewatched it, like, last night, I think. And um, the sequence when they're in the, when they get thrown in the garbage and Eve is trying to find, like, the, the chip or something to put into Wally. And um, and he's explaining to her, um, I can get fixed. We just need to get back to Earth. Um but you get it, because all he does, what does he do? He does, like, he takes out his eye, puts it back in. Yeah. Remember that? Like, the great stuff. That's all told visually. He's like, oh, Earth. And another thing I love, uh, that how they're able to kind of communicate or express emotion through their eyes. You know what I mean? Like, Eve is a total simple design. It's like, a, it's an egg. <laughs> Essentially, it's an egg with black <laughs> and blue eyes. But so much, in, like, of the, of the noises that they make... And her eyes, his eyes, everything. It's great. Like, the way they communicate with each other. It's so simple, but yeah. you get it. Yeah, the noises you know I mean? and everything. It's, and it's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> it is genuinely cute. One scene I thought was like, oh, that was cute. was when um, when Wally takes Eve to his house. And um, he's he wants to show her the plant. And he's kind of looking at his things and like a drum thing hits him in the head and Eve kind of like chuckles at him mm-hmm. i thought that was like super cute it's cute because he's, oh, really he's shy he's shy and then 
She's all and the way I he puts it. his hands together and he clinks his little fingers, which now is like a meme, like in 2020, that's like a meme to put your fingers together and be like, I'm shy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you your fingers together. <laughs> it, is, it is like inherent body language. Like he clinks his little fingers together and we go, yeah. oh, he's nervous. Um, and Wally's he's like shy. anxious. Like yeah. Wally has anxiety. He's nervous in a lot of this movie. And it's portrayed really that's well. How I relate and it's to funny. Him. You know, if you're a kid, it's funny. It's silly. Yeah. But it's, it's relatable and like we get it. Um, and by the end totally. of the movie, he learns to like, be, live life and be confident after teaching everyone else to oh god i love it um a robot yeah a robot with no emotion and, and no face it. it's great it's like and you no said the, the character designs in this movie are frankly something i do not understand i don't understand why like psychologically or i don't know uh i don't understand why my brain can look at this screen and see this orange and yellow box with two camera apertures and sticks for eyes and like wheels and why mm-hmm. my brain goes that's wally that's his face those are his eyes i i see i i get it that's a person and i love him that's and i get character. his personality i get yeah. i don't know why that works but i know it does and that is oh my god the artists the cute. designers on like, this you movie know he's cute. are genius yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh they're so yeah, genius great design. great design and there's a million great robot designs in this movie the like that like eve and wally really and all the other, other characters too. yes the sound design's fantastic like each robot has like their own distinct sound and distinct um, motion and everything. Yeah. It felt real, like the all the things. Mm-hmm. The I know with his with the little thing <laughs> and uh, Eve and uh, she sounds pretty and everything and Wally yeah. just sounds all. They all have a personality. Cute. It's it's yeah, it's and it, but again it's all simple. But it you get it. You just you get it. It's great. Um, Colby, you wanted to talk about the 2001 reference? How yeah. Otto is a total reference to Hal? So, I... Rewatching uh, Wally for the sake of this podcast is the first time I've watched it mm-hmm. since having seen 2001 for the first time. Um, oh, personally, nice. 2001 is one of my favorite movies. Um, I'm sure you guys oh, yeah, have definitely. seen it. I hope we can talk about it in a future episode. I think t- 2001 is yeah. revolutionary. And if you haven't seen it, and I really oh. mean this, I think it will change the way you watch movies forever. Um... Personally, mm-hmm. I've never watched a movie the same since the first time I saw 2001. I'm not going to say that Wally is on the same level as 2001. That's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but to be honest, it's no, closer it than I thought rewatching it. It's closer to that level than I thought it was after rewatching it. It it really yeah. it really is um has a lot uh, a lot to say like 2001 does. Um and this movie uses 2001 in a way that I haven't seen a lot of other movies use previous existing movies. Um, mm. Like you said, Otto, the character in Wally, is pretty much a ripoff of the character Hal from 2001 in both design and function oh. and character and personality and everything. The eye and everything. Um, even in story structure, in the way that he exists in the story and yeah, like like when he, kind of just like he kind appears of and dies in the story is the same as in 2001. Um, they use musical cues from 2001. Um, there's scenes where they're floating in space and they use that mm-hmm. from 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where Jeff Garland's character, the captain, stands up on his feet for the first time in the movie. And we don't know uh-huh. that this is the first time that he's walked, or at least the first time in a long time. Um, you could maybe take that guess because they live in this world with like floating chairs, but we don't know that for sure. But they use the song from 2001 that because of that movie we equate with evolution because of 2001 and because of its iconography that song the um i know it goes 
Thank you. That one. Yes. Exactly. That song, because of 2001's iconography, we equate that with evolution, with first steps of humanity, right? Because of the way it is with like the weapon, right? Right. So when he stands up, that song is used as a cue to tell us he's not only evolving in the sense that he's never really walked and now he is, but he's evolving as a character. He's taking yeah. action for the and first so time in his life. He's literally and figuratively standing up, stepping forward, and grabbing control of the thing that's been controlling him. Auto. Oh, yeah, totally. That's... I've never seen, like, a little piece of music do that in a movie, like, since 2001. Like, that's amazing. Um... Yeah, 2001's yeah, used a lot in this movie. Um, and I think both have some really heavy messages about humans and about how they cause their own downfall through their innovation and through their ambition. And that's a really hard message to to depict. And I think in the hands of yeah. a lesser director, you'd get a terrible movie. But in the hands of Kubrick, it made the greatest movie, one of the greatest movies of all time. If Probably not the greatest, the greatest movie. movie ever made. Honestly, it might be the greatest movie ever made. And um, in the hands of Andrew Stanton, the director of Wally, um, mm. he does a really great job with it as well. Yeah, just the way that this movie uses 2001. And as, it works for kids. It totally works <laughs> for kids. Crazy. I, I mean, I've seen this movie and loved it 12 times before I saw 2001. But I, it just had this extra level of appreciation for me once I had seen uh, Space Odyssey. It. Yeah. Because it uses it as a reference guide for people because the writers and directors of Wally understood that 2001 is part of the cultural zeitgeist and they used it as a tool to help you, the audience member, understand their new story, their new take on it, which is a much more optimistic take than Kubrick's. Is there anything else to say about Wally? Do we guys have anything else to mention? I really like the fire extinguisher scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cute scene. I yeah, um, visually, scene. I was gonna bring that up too. I think that this that the dancing in space sequence where Wally's using the the fire extinguisher and Eve is flying alongside him is one of my favorite scenes, maybe in any movie. I think yeah. it's really, oh, really genuinely beautiful. Like it made me very emotional. Yeah, it's very cute. It's cute. The music's great, swells, and yeah. the look of it with the rockets and the fire and the. Yeah, it's wonderful. Because Wally, at its core, is a romance movie, and yeah, it's a love story, and that's one of the greatest like romance love story scenes ever, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Where the love is too great that no words are shared. It's just the music and the visuals and their dance. Yeah, and it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, one more thing that I'll bring up before we before we conclude is something that I noticed for the first time when rewatching it uh, yesterday in preparation for this recording, which is that really early on in the movie, when Wally and Eve are first meeting, um, they really cleverly contrast them in a very specific way, where you learn to associate Wally with construction and with building. Hmm. He takes Mm -hmm. trash, he takes things that have been discarded and ruined and destroyed, and he makes them into blocks and he builds towers. He takes these little... Um, trinkets and things that have been considered trash and he builds a home for himself he puts them on shelves and he builds a home and a life for himself with these little things when Eve comes the first thing you see her do is blow things up 
She has a gun for an arm. <laughs> yeah. And she starts blowing things up. And she blows up things that Wally likes. She blows up some of his towers. She destroys some of his little trinkets, or at least attempts to. Um, you really early on learn to contrast the two of them by he represents construction, she represents destruction. Yeah. And immediately yeah, yeah. you recognize the irony that, well, she's sent here to find life. And he's sent here as yeah. a, at, like to justify the death of the earth. Yeah, just like a remnant yeah. of what life used to be. Yet he values building and new life while she values destruction and death. And obviously that switches throughout the movie. They both uh, yeah, learn and grow. And eventually, like I said, because of Wally's just inherent goodness, he inspires others to be more like him. It's just like a sort of little, um, little visual thing that shows how careless they are in the future. You know what I mean? Because you were saying like you get the impression that they just kind of send these for for, for uh, protocol, like these Eve bots, uh, not wanting or knowing that any life... If anything, it makes you think, are they destructive for a reason? Like, do they want to stay on this Earth? Exactly. I mean, sorry, on this ship forever. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I feel like they've made them destructive not just for protection, but what if maybe, like, to actually keep the Earth that way yeah <laughs> you know what i mean um but it's like uh that's a good point that you brought up I, I never thought of it that way there's a certain kind of movie and there's very few of them that work very few because this is a really hard kind of movie to write but it's a movie it's the kind of movie where your main character is the foil character your main character is sort of this flawless perfect idea um and the arcs in the movie the character arcs and the growth come from the supporting characters that they serve to inspire right mm -hmm. that breaks the main rule of screenwriting which is your character has a central flaw and then the sub the supporting characters who are often foil characters help them overcome it yeah um yeah but there are very few movies that are really hard to do right but they do do it right where the main character is sort of this perfect allegorical idea and then they help other characters achieve their arcs i think the first movie that made me realize this was ferris bueller because in that movie Ferris oh, is flawless. He's a, he's like a perfect human being. Everything goes right for him. He does nothing wrong. The yeah. only real arc in Ferris Bueller is Cameron's, who is oh, yeah, the, who's not the main character. The central... He's the supporting character. But the whole yeah. structure of Ferris Bueller is based on Cameron's arc, not Ferris's. And after mm -hmm. I watched Ferris Bueller, uh, or I guess rewatched Ferris Bueller and realized that, I started looking for it in other movies, and I've I've found very few that do it right. But I think. Other good examples of it are like Knives Out with uh, Marta. Oh, true. And I think Wally is one of the best examples of I it I've seen, where he just represents this inherent idea of hope and life, and he inspires others uh, to be the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. I see that. Very true. Yeah. So true. that was a lot of heavy conversation about robots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, robots, superheroes, and rats. Yeah. Wait. So what would you guys give this movie? What rating? Uh, 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, 10. 10, definitely. 10 too? I agree. Three tens in one episode. I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen again, you guys. It might be a while before that happens again. It could be. <laughs> well, maybe unless for like next episode with a... Uh... Oh, you mean like three tens in a row? Yeah, I mean, um, oh. in this episode, all, all three of our movies were 10, where we all three of us agreed, yeah. Um... Ironically, yeah, it came right after we trashed onward. Um, but <laughs> I know. Totally <laughs> Sorry. It. Sorry, Tom Holland. You're cool. I like you. You're a good actor. Um, just, anyways. Just don't do that again. <laughs> that, that wasn't good. Yeah. Oh, well. 
So, what have you guys been watching recently? Besides these movies that we had to watch. Um, gosh. What have I been watching? I, I watched like this one uh, documentary on Netflix called uh, Evil Genius. Have you heard of it? Oh, yeah. yeah? I've, have I haven't have seen, seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. Um, it's, there's nothing special or interesting about the presentation of it. It's more of obviously the actual crime and the story and the investigation of it. That's more interesting. Um, it's not like Tiger King or something like that. You know what I mean? Where these, I mean, don't get me wrong. The people on this show are pretty filthy, but Tiger King actually wanted to take a shower (laughs) after the whole thing. You know what I mean? There's just terrible scumbag people, but, um... But it's more like universal and different than what we've seen. Whereas like Evil Genius is like another investigation of the murder. But it's still interesting. So I've, um, again, it's not like anything revolutionary that I haven't seen before. But it kept me interested for a couple of hours. So um, that I, I saw that. <clears throat> yeah, I've heard it's really creepy. Yeah, the main, the lady that that the show is based on looks like uh, Satan from The Passion <laughs> of the Christ. <laughs> so. That's so funny. So, yeah. Horrifying. Yeah, I'd give it like a six or a seven out of ten, that uh, documentary thing. It's pretty good. I've been in the well, middle well, of watching Euphoria for the first time. Oh, I've heard that's via. great. I really... <clears throat> Voice really crack. That. That's staying it. <laughs> oh, <Ish>. no. <laughs> <laughs> That's staying it. Dang no, it. <laughs> but Euphoria is so good, but it's so intense. It's like... A24, right? Yeah, I think, right? Is it A24? I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh, I think so. Cool. A24 posts about it several times. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just very, very intense. It's like... You thought 13 Reasons Why I dealt with stuff. Oh, this is like... 13 Reasons Why was a terrible show. Okay, but that was known for, Agreed. like, viewer discussion advised, you know? Like, we're sure. gonna deal with some hard stuff. No, so Euphoria many. is dark. But yeah. it's very visually beautiful, which I nice. obviously love. That's, like, my thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. I think I have, like, three more episodes left. It's so interesting. But, yeah, it's... How many seasons are there? Right now, there's only one, but they're... They just um, signed for a second season, so... Uh, it's on HBO, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to see it. That one and Succession. I've been meaning to see Succession. I don't know if you guys heard of that. Looks pretty good. Uh, Colby, what have you... Have you been seeing anything? Uh, yeah, the last movie I watched was Emma. I watched it with my girlfriend. Uh, I was pretty excited... To just watch any new release that I could because it got released on VOD um, when um, everything got closed down during its theatrical run. Um, it's the adaptation of the Jane uh, Jane Austen novel. Oh yeah. And now Sebastian groans because he hates he hates Jane Austen. And uh, frankly, I'm not really a fan of Jane Austen either. I've never connected with a Jane Austen story or character. This is boring. Agreed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's exactly how I felt about this movie. Um, I didn't connect with the story or the characters. But what I will say about this movie is, other than that, other than that aspect of of just engaging with the with the stories and the ideas, 
I thought it was really well done. Um, the production mm. design is freaking fantastic. I think that's the big thing that this movie has to boast most is the boast most is the um, production <laughs> design, the costume design, and the like makeup and hairstyling. Um, and if it came out after November, it would win those Oscars. But the Oscars don't ever give awards to movies that come out before summer. Um, but we'll see this year because there won't be enough movies for the Oscars. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for that. <laughs> But yeah, the costumes and the sets everything. and the oh god, <laughs> hold not. But yeah, the costumes and sets and and makeup and hairstyling are really freaking fantastic. Some of the best I've seen in a long time. The performances they were usually also... do give it to though. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're. Uh, what were you gonna say? They usually do give it to the movies that have like the costumes and the big sets and everything, like the period pieces, because yeah. it's such a costumey movie. <laughs> I mean, not that the not that the movies are bad or like the costumes are bad, they're good. Sure, but it's pretty cliche for the Academy to give like with Little Women one costume design. It's like, yeah, I get it because of the dresses. Don't get me wrong; sure. they were really good dresses, but it's like it's just because I totally a lot agree. Of work, like else. it's elaborate. Yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. But that's Sorry, actually totally. what I liked a lot about Emma was it fits into that stereotype into that um that typical like oh well it's Victorian it's like a period piece so of course it's gonna have like big dresses and sets. But they felt Oscar really original. Bait. Like, the dresses in this yeah. movie are, like, weird and kind of artsy and complex. And so is, like, the hairstyles and, like, the sets. Like, they, like it wasn't necessarily accurate Victorian period. It was more, like, um... Avant-garde. It was more yeah. heightened. Um, it was very imaginative <laughs> and creative and colorful. And I liked that about it. Um, nice. So, yeah, oh. on, on those aspects. And also the cinematography and the direction are great and the... Um, yeah. The performances are really good, too. Uh, production quality-wise and just visually, Emma was really great, even if the story is a little hard to connect with and even hard to understand mm-hmm. at points uh, if you're not super familiar with, like, Jane Austen, which I'm not. But I, I, I would recommend mm-hmm. Emma, to be honest, um, if you're listening to this and that sounds interesting to you. I, I would recommend it. It's on Amazon right now uh, for $20, which sounds like a lot for rental, but if you watch it with multiple people, then you're saving money that you would have spent on movie tickets so oh yeah totally i watched it with four people got a good deal but um yeah i recommend emma i'd give it like a seven out of ten maybe six cool nice oh i also saw honey boy yay i saw Um, your review yeah it was pretty good (laughs) Uh, i enjoyed it um i said in my review it felt very much like you're watching someone at church like you're at church and you see someone giving their testimony and while you may not connect with what they went through or really change your life after it you feel good for the person who decided to change their life yeah. and who are speaking out and being different um so like yeah i wasn't changed or anything it didn't make me cry or it didn't really like totally blew me away but i i felt so good and so proud for shia that he's like he kind of overcame this and like presented this pretty solid act of forgiveness towards his dad. Like it might've been, not might've, I know for a fact it was very cathartic for him to play his dad. I know. And do the things that he did to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I totally agree. But uh, yeah, solid movie. It's a, it did feel rushed at the end and there are things about it. I was like, that was dumb but um and there's nothing like totally exceptional about like the 
cinematography and directing. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It, it looks nice, but it's not like anything I rewatch to study. But um, no, it's a solid, solid movie. Charlotte Bob's best performance probably, and yeah, I, I'd give it a six out of ten. Solid movie. Man, I got I got a dissent on that opinion. I thought the cinematography was so good. Um, yeah. I thought it had some of the best cinematography of the year. I thought it deserved at least a nomination. And uh, hmm. I think Alma Harrell is a is a director to look out for. I think she really showed like, I agree with that. prowess in this I movie. I definitely agree with that. Um, I really like the lighting yeah. design. <laughs> that's so random. But... Ooh, that's that's specific, but cool detail. I, did. I noticed. I love it a when lot. I love that when you watch a movie and you notice a really specific weird niche detail. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to our second episode of Amateur Cast. Next time on our podcast, we're going to be talking about our favorite films of 2019. Woo! <laughs> Four months later. <laughs> but, yeah. We're going to bring our favorite ones to the table and we're going to talk about them. So... Follow me on all social media at Alex Papke and on YouTube as well. Go ahead, Colby. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on YouTube as well at Colby Leapies and um, um, on Letterboxd and at Twitter at uh, Wannabe Filmmaker. And those links will all be in the description as they were in the last episode as well. Yeah, um, you can follow me on uh, YouTube, Abdel Entertainment or Sebastian Limon. Uh, or follow us on AmateurCast yeah. on YouTube. Um, yeah, me, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. All the links will be in the in the description for sure. Yeah, go follow our Instagram. Hi, guys. Yes, please. We need followers. We need friends. Let's see how many <laughs> followers we can Lonely. get. Our moms follow us. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. After um, we posted the last episode, I was like, Mom, did you like it? She was like, yeah. I was like, did you like like, like or, descri- or subscribe to it? She was like, no, was I supposed to? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> Mom, did you, you not have to subscribe to my said. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that note, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Yes. Bye, Bye-bye. everybody. Bye-bye. Adios.